What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and today I interview Michael Shermer. Michael Shermer is probably the most famous skeptic on the planet. His new book, Conspiracy, Why the Rational Believe the Irrational, is out now. It's a fantastic read. He dives into 30-plus years of him writing and, and learning about things that happen that might be conspiracies or are famous conspiracies that he deems um, are just you know accidents or uh, coincidences or they just happened by chance. So you know me, I sometimes put on my tinfoil hat and go down a rabbit hole every now and then, but he really is one that has made me think differently uh, when I see him on Joe Rogan or other podcasts that he goes on. Um, he really puts a different perspective on things and talks about facts and not you know, these what ifs. So we talk a lot about the JFK assassination. We talk about 9-11, lizard people, aliens, UFOs, the coverage of media on mass shootings, all the things they talked about in this book. Um, But but important topics and trending topics that are always, you know, at top of mind when you talk about or think about conspiracies. But make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notification so you get notified every single time I post new content and enjoy this episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast with skeptic Michael Shermer. Peace out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have a very special guest, one who I'm very excited to talk to, Michael Shermer. Thank you so much for coming on. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Sir, um, so I got your book, uh, Conspiracy, Why the Irrational Believe the Irrational. (laughs) I'm reading it. I'm a very slow reader. Uh, I didn't realize that you do the audio for the audio book. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, God damn it, I should have just got the audio book because yeah. I'm a big podcast guy and I'm always listening to to Rogan and so on and so forth. But I don't need to, I'm going to read the book for sure, like 100%. I'm a little way through it, but I know enough about you to have a great conversation. I've seen all your videos on Rogan. I've seen all your videos on Shapiro and other outlets that you've been on. Um, you really changed my ID, ideology on a lot of things. Mm. Um and, you know, I, I want you first to introduce yourself, though, uh, before I get into it. So tell us oh, about yourself. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Uh, let me introduce my magazine called yes. Skeptic Magazine. There it is. Here's the latest issue. We take on non-controversial subjects like, you know, race. <laughs> <laughs> and the previous one was on abortion. The one before that was on trans matter. So uh, the next one is on nationalism. So, yeah, we, we dive right into it. Well, you know, we started in 92. That's my business partner right there and co-founders, uh, Pat Lindsay, who died last year. And uh, so 30 years we've been going. This is our 30th year. We, you know, started off debunking, you know, UFOs and con- conspiracy theories and aliens and um, psychics and astrology and Bigfoot, you know, all that stuff. But we've done all that so much. I'm, I'm trying to branch out into new areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conspiracy book is really kind of a culmination of our 30 years of doing research on conspiracies. You know, is there some theoretical model, overarching explanation for why people believe these things? And so that's what I try to do in the book. Right. Yeah. No. And honestly, you open up the first fold and the first thing is nothing happens. Was it nothing happens by accident? Everything is connected and there's <laughs> right. no coincidences, which is literally a conspiracy theorist. It's like that's, the way they think. The, <laughs> That is the psychology. We did not evolve brains that are comfortable with randomness or grasp uh, randomness uh, and chance. You know, my favorite example is uh, when Apple introduced the iPod, then they have introduced the iPod shuffle that would play your music set randomly. And customers complained that it wasn't random because certain songs came up more than other songs. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's what randomness is. It's lots of clusters like stars in the sky are randomly distributed, but they're clustered in constellations, as we call them, (laughs) right? The fish and horses and scorpions and big and little dippers and so on. Uh, If if every star in the sky was perfectly distributed with the same amount of space between each one, that would not be random. That there'd be some force causing that to happen, right? So uh, when a, a lot of life unfolds randomly, uh, the brain doesn't see that. It just sees clusters, right? So like cancer clusters, most of them are just random. You know, if you have a distribution of, I don't know what, say thyroid cancers around the country, it's not going to be perfectly spaced. They're going to be clustered. And so the mind immediately goes to, well, there must be some causal thing there. There was a plant, a chemical plant there or something, hmm. right? And sometimes that is the case. So that's what you need epidemiology for and, uh, you know, medical scientists. Right. 
Well, the, uh, the Apple thing too, the shuffle, didn't they actually go back and make it appear to be more random? Yes, yes. Yeah, they had to program in the alleged random, how humans think of randomness. You know, if you ask people to flip a coin in their mind and just write down what they think the sequence of heads and tails will be, they generally go heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, maybe heads, heads, tails, tails. But in fact, uh, actual coin flips are you get streaks of four, five, six heads or tails in a row. And of course, in gambling, gambler's fallacy is that uh, you know, red is due or black is due or I'm on a, a yes. hot streak or I'm on a cold streak. OK, the streaks are all just random. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we immediately think, well, let's see, uh, I did this and I'll, I'll repeat that. Or, you know, black has come up six times in a row. So red is due. I'll bet on red as if the roulette wheel has a memory and it's keeping track like, oh, we haven't had many blacks recently. We better throw some in there. <laughs> right. Right. So is that like but can't you think, though, like the casino wants to win? I mean, they have to give out you know, a lot every now and then, but can they be fixed? Well, so casinos, of course, are uh, in business to make money and, right. and, but they have to pay out. So they're, you know, the, the rub for them is to figure out the formula to keep people sitting there long enough. So slot machines, pay, they, you know, they, all games pay out. I mean, even the slot, uh, the, the uh, roulette wheel I just mentioned, you know, it's, it's almost all just red and black, red and black, red and black, but there's two slots, the one green and then the two green right. slots. And that's all they need to make, you know, if you have, you know, millions of people in the course of a year, Betting billions of dollars, and you have that, you know, 0.01% advantage that adds up, you know, sure. that adds up to a serious profit. It does. Yeah. And then so, you, and right. then you throw in alcohol, and, oh, you know, yeah. free, free confidence. Drinks, yeah. You know, no clocks. They don't let, you know, no windows, no, win no yeah. windows. Yeah. You know, you just have no idea how long you're sitting. That's there the worst, man. You go in there, you're like, Oh, it's 8 PM. You come out, it's 5 AM. You're like, what the <laughs> hell happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All that is designed. Not speaking from experience. I've, I've heard this. Yeah. Things. That's right. You read, you read. Yeah, I read. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about a couple of things. Um, I want to talk about the JFK assassination. Yeah, because um, that's that's prevalent in your book. It's its own chapter, really. Um, but also, I want to talk about mass shootings and media coverage, if mm. if you have some time for that. Yeah. Um, and then a couple other things that we can kind of go through. But let's just start out with JFK. As you think of it, uh, as what happened is what the what the Warren report says is that. Yes. Correct. The Warren Report is massive. No one ever reads the whole thing. I haven't read the whole thing. I've read right. parts. And I read uh, Vince Bogliosi's 1,400-page book about JFK, which he lines up and debunks all the conspiracy theories, right? So, uh, but a general way to think about it is a convergence of evidence. Where does the evidence converge toward this conclusion or that conclusion? You can apply this to any theory. And, uh, you know, so, for example, the Big Bang Theory versus the steady state theory in the 50s and 60s, it was kind of 50-50, could go either way. But over the course of decades, evidence accumulated more and more in favor of the Big Bang, less and less in favor of the steady state. And now we have a consensus among cosmologists, Big Bang, not steady state, right? So in the course of, you know, determining a crime, uh, you know, who who's most likely to have done it, okay? So the general thing is we're not omniscient, we're not deities. Nobody knows for sure. So you have to base all decisions on uncertainty. So, but where does the preponderance of evidence point toward? Right. In the case of JFK, Oswald, you know, just hands down, fingerprints all over this thing, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, his rifle is found there in the, the sixth floor of the book depository building, right there in the little sniper's nest that he built. His fingerprints are on the boxes. The spent shells are there on the floor, you know. And so the counter to that, oh, well, somebody planted all that. OK, but there's like 100 pieces of evidence like that, that somebody would have to then jigger to make it look like he did it. You know, he shot uh, Officer Tibbet. He ran into the theater. He, he punched the police. He was you know, combative. And, you know, and, and he tried to assassinate General Walker back in uh, March of, of 63, who was a anti-communist uh, also. And, uh, you know, so he was motor with the same rifle, as it turns out. His wife knew about this, that and in fact, he was going to try to assassinate uh, Vice President Nixon. And, uh, back when Nixon was vice president under Eisenhower and his wife locked him in a bathroom so he wouldn't go wow. <laughs> down to the parade where Nixon was coming to town. I think it was in New Orleans and and on and on and on. He had motive. He, you know, he, he had a past history of this. He he was violent. He was a narcissist, you know, probably on the dark triad of Machiavellianism, narcissism and psychopathy. 
um, you know, and, 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 and just, you know, just on and all eyewitnesses, you know, ear witnesses said three shots, 80% of people in Dealey Plaza said three shots were fired. And that's what we think happened. You know, but what about the others? You know, somebody said they thought they heard four or five. Well, okay. Again, preponderance of evidence. We don't know for sure. You know, the reopening of the assassination case in which there was a dick to belt on one of the police motorcycles thought people thought they heard a fourth shot, which would imply, um, a conspiracy, a second shooter, but it turns out it was like 30 seconds after uh, the motorcade was already gone from Dealey Plaza. It was just some other noise okay. that was picked up and on and on and on. I mean, so as you know, and uh, you know, I just go pages after page such that anybody that would call for, you know, a fair, a fair play for, for Oswald committee, you know, is uh, needs a reality check. But even if you say, well, okay, okay, I, I'll grant you all that Oswald was involved, but there's somebody else. Okay. Who? You know, is there a preponderance of it? Is there a document? Is there something, a smoking gun for anybody else? Alan Dulles in the CIA or Lyndon Johnson or a Khrushchev, somebody in the KGB, Castro, somebody uh, in Castro's regime in Cuba. Is there anybody? Uh, you know, and, and when you accuse somebody of a crime, so, okay, your listeners are familiar with the grand jury idea. So you, you present to a grand jury the evidence you have and then they can decide if it should go to trial or not where you lay it all out and you spend six months making your case and the other side does the same right is there anybody that you could haul before a grand jury and say this is the guy he's the other shooter right and he and the grand jury would go okay what have you got and if sure. you're and if your answer is well oswald you know there was something fishy about oswald or something fishy about and this is called anomaly hunting. You know, oh, there's this weird thing here that you can't explain. And that weird thing over there, you can't explain. No grand jury is going to go, yeah, but what does that got to do with this guy right here? He's sitting in the dock. What have you got on him? Do you have some letters or a memo or an, an eyewitness, somebody he, he was married to or dated who he told all about it? You know, that kind of thing, right? So, uh, you know, and so the, the, the role of negative evidence or you know, what we call it, if this was true, what else would be true? So, for example, in the release of, the Pentagon Papers or WikiLeaks, the millions and millions of cl classified documents. There's nothing in there about, uh, you know, CIA or KGB involved in the JFK assassination, or for that matter, the fake moon landing or 9-11 as an inside job. You know, there's nothing. And if these were true government conspiracies, then there should be some paper trail, right? right? If you hire an assassin, you got to pay them. All right. Well, you know, where'd, where'd the money come from? You know, petty funds or, you know, is, is, is there some paper trail? Right. Well, I mean, also like, well, the WikiLeaks thing is like, I feel like there's a lot of that wasn't all the documents from the CIA and stuff like that. But I, I will say, though, like you're, you're right in a lot of the ways where like most of the evidence, all the evidence basically would would go towards him. But it's just there's so many things that happen that just don't make sense. And I know there's a lot of documents that aren't that they keep saying that they'll put out the government will put out, but they're just. Yeah keep pushing it back and so yeah and so that forth. is a, i know that's a bro i'm bothered by that too it's so it's like, weird that just, but the, what about uh, jack ruby well jack ruby okay he was also violent kind of a petty minor criminal right. mafia associate if you were the cia and you're going to hire somebody to take care of a job would you hire this nut job who's a blabbermouth who's sure. got violent you would <laughs> no, no 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 i would i'm saying i'm agreeing with you well that's the thing is i don't think that it's the cia they might have known about it but i think my personal opinion is i think the mob had more to do with it because jfk had a you know the mob helped him get into office helped his brother and you know in a lot of ways and then i don't know you just look at that family as a whole and it's like god damn man like they can't get a break <laughs> you know bobby him his son yes. i mean it's just well, okay, so there's a couple of effects here that it because it's a big name, it's a big event, it's somebody famous. Hmm. Uh, we tend to go anomaly hunting, and you you dig deep into the record and files and everything sure. you could find. If you did that with anybody, you're going to find peculiar things. It's just that most of the time we don't look. So if it, if it was the mayor of Dallas who was assassinated that day, would we care? Would we be having this conversation? Would I have to write a chapter in a book? No, nobody would care. Right. And I was like, oh, it's just this lone nutter. Take somebody like uh, Hinckley who shot Reagan. You know, why did he do it? Uh, he wanted to impress Jodie Foster, the actress. Yeah. And, you know, but Reagan didn't die. And so there's no conspiracy theories like who was behind him. Nobody was behind. Everybody knows he's just a nut job. He's mentally ill. Right. And right. and on and on. Right. And so so it's a proportionality bias. The bigger the event, the bigger the cause has to be. So the idea that the leader of the free world is taken out by some lone nut 
Same thing with Princess Diana, you know, cause of death, drunk driving, speeding, no seatbelt. But princesses are not supposed to die like that, right? Or yeah. 19 guys with, out, with box cutters brought down the World Trade Center. Like, Come on. There's no way. Don't get me huge... started, Michael. Like, I, <laughs> I'll put my tinfoil hat on real quick. <laughs> okay. No. All right. Give me your best shot. On no, that. no, I don't. Oh, oh, okay. No. So actually, you know, what's funny is you, that's one of the things, The one of the main things that hearing you talk to Rogan specifically, and even him, hearing him talk about it, I'm like, okay. Like, because I used to believe it was somewhat of a, you know, not so much inside job, but more of like a eh, kind of a false flag to kind of go to overseas and stuff like that. And then, you know, I was talking to a reporter, New York Times reporter, Christopher Mogg, and he was like grilling me, just be like, no, this is why, this is why, this is why it's not true. And then I asked him about what about building number seven? And he was like, what is that? And I'm like, how do you, how do you at least not know about this? So like, that right, just tells me like, you're right. not informed enough to even have this conversation. Right. Right. And then when I heard you and Rogan talking about building number seven, I assumed he was going to say, oh yeah, it fell randomly in demolition and all this stuff. And then you guys started bringing up actual points that made a lot of sense because I've been going by like, oh, well, it just cascaded down like a demolition. You know what I mean? Could it be really, I, it wasn't even hit directly. So how could it even be on fire? I didn't know about the basement having the the diesel uh, generators mm. and stuff like that. So I'm just saying like that kind of opened up my eyes a little bit more to that, if you want to. Right. So like after 9-11, people started talking about, you know, buildings falling and right. you know, they can't fall at this speed or they're supposed to do this or what. How do you know? Uh, why would anybody know anything about uh, demolition of buildings? I didn't That's know so anything true. about it. So I started reading this stuff. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, so the way buildings fall is is they plan all the devices and they go from the bottom floors to the top floor. So you see that boom, 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 boom. And then poof, the right. thing collapses, right? But if you look at the World Trade Center building, the buildings start to collapse at the floors where the planes hit. And then they pancake down floor upon floor. And then the puffs of smoke you see coming out are not explosions. They're the smoke from the fires burning that are pushed out when the floors pancake and push the windows out sure. and so on and so forth. And by the way, you'd have to, the, the explosive device experts that the Bush administration sent in there under top secret elevator repair uh, guises or whatever it is they're supposed to have done. How would they get into the World Trade Center buildings without anybody noticing, right? And then they'd have to know ahead of time which floors the planes were going to hit because that's where the collapse starts. So right. they had to, how would they know that? You know, And the planes hit at an angle. Sure. Uh, apparently Bin Laden and, and, and his cronies there thought an angled strike would be better for more damage or something. And that's what they did. You know, so and and on and on and on, and not one of the people that were involved, hundreds or thousands of people, wants to go on your show, Rogan, or sixty minutes, or write a, a you know, best-selling book like you know, I was in, I know the guy that was, I used to date this guy, and he told right. me all about it, right? But nothing, not nobody has come forward saying, yeah, that's the guy right there, nothing. That's true. Is it because they're all dead though? Is there all day? Yes. The men, in, the men in black come and erase yeah, yeah. Uh, Will everybody from the record. Um, well, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I'm not so much like a down a rabbit hole. Like, oh my God, I'm a hundred percent. I have I more have like fun with it and just kind of, oh yeah, it would be fun if Hillary Clinton took off and she was a, you know, a lizard, you know, that would be <laughs> hilarious, but that's kind of where I'm at. I could definitely pull back and I'm a realistic person, which is why I really like your work because I think it really sheds a lot of like, realistic thinking versus like, cause you can really go down those rabbit holes. And one thing that you talked about on Rogan that I was actually so happy that you did was you talked about memory. Um, and someone who's been on my pat my podcast before Elizabeth Loftus. Oh, wow. Um, right. She She's was awesome. legendary. She is yeah. amazing. And, and, um, I found her because she, she did a documentary about, um, uh, I forget some case out in the Pacific Northwest or whatever it was. And a daughter said that, her dad raped her in her memory. Like she started to get her memory back saying that he raped her and he, or mm. no, he killed her friend. That's what it was. Mm. Uh, he went to prison for it for six years mm. and mm. they brought in Elizabeth Loftus and she determined that like, no, your repressed memory is causing this. And now all of their other memories are actually not even true. And you led police down this rabbit hole of another murderer um, that wasn't true. So they, they, she got him out of prison basically, but her work is astonishing, which is why I think like eyewitness and ear witness. I don't know. I don't really kind of not reliable, not reliable, especially over time and yeah. chaotic events is just, it's phenomenal. It's crazy. The work that she did. Yeah. It's like the Roswell incident. There's uh, right. you know, that was 1947. It didn't even come on the UFO radar until 1980. 
right? When wow. Stan Friedman, the ufologist, uh, dug into it. So we're talking, you know, decades, you know, over three decades before, you know, people got interested and then started asking people in town, you know, of course, their memories are totally contaminated by now or they're sure. just faded. Right. And and so like the point you just made with Elizabeth Loftus's work is that that the original memory, whatever that was, is gone now. Once you've rewired it, uh, it's not so it's not like a recording in there and you rewind the tape and play it back on the theater, the Cartesian theater of your mind right. where the little homunculus in your head is watching it, reporting back to your cortex. This is what we're seeing. Here's what really happened. There's no such thing. Right. And, uh, you know, her famous uh, lost in a mall experiment where she had adult subjects that. Uh, she had asked a, a series of questions about their childhood, uh, most of which were true events. But one she threw in there that never happened. You were once lost in a mall. Do you remember that? They all, you know, almost all of them remembered it in in high fidelity detail. Oh, yeah, I remember where it was. And I remember the colors and sounds. And I was scared. And I heard the voice uh, uh, over the speaker by name. And then, then I saw my mommy and this guy in a flannel shirt with a hat. Mm -hmm. None of this happened. Right. right. <laughs> and And just by simply asking. And, you know, she has other shorter experiments, like just show up a, a group of subjects, a video, like a 20 second video clip to somebody sitting on a pen, bar, park bench and, and some guy runs up and grabs her purse or whatever. You know, OK, what what color was the hat he was wearing? Okay, of course, he's not wearing any hat, but they all remember the hat. I was baseball hat. He wore it sideways. It was a flannel mm -hmm. hat, whatever. And it's like there was no hat. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what me and her did. We did an experiment on my where I was. Oh, you I, did. I told her I was like, you know, I I sometimes will talk to my mom about things. But hey, remember when we did this? And my mom's like, we never did that, or <laughs> we we never did it in that way. And then she was uh, like, yeah, that's your memory that's repressing it and thinking that something happened. I was blown away when we were doing it, mm -hmm. but I was just excited you brought her up because I think that plays a lot into these conspiracies in a way because of the eye and ear witness testimonies you know 30 40 50 years now at this point um to your point like no one's going to go to jail for any of this stuff unless if it's you know solidified that the government has something to do with the jfk assassination or 9 11 on paper um but i, I i'm taking it back to the point that you also made on rogan is like i think they're not releasing those things because they were doing things that were shady and they just don't want to show other people what they really yeah. were doing. That's really why I think they're not. Putting uh, it out. I, I think that's right. Yeah. Because a lot of the things we've done in terms of our foreign policy are pretty uh, problematic. Right. Uh, and maybe immoral, possibly even illegal. And so right. probably we just don't want, you know, one of the things that the uh, WikiLeaks revealed was to what extent the you know, surveillance state was active, not only of American citizens and not just metadata of our phone calls, but actual phone calls and emails and things like that, but also that of foreign leaders, right? The, the embarrassing one about uh, uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, you know, we we're monitoring her cell phone. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. Who, who signed off on that? <laughs> yeah. Right? And a lot of these things, you know, the president doesn't even know what the CIA is doing. And yeah, uh, you know, just you know, MK Ultra, the dosing of U.S. citizens with psychedelic drugs without their consent or knowledge. You know, Operation Paperclip, in which yep. we're, you know, uh, nabbing these Nazi scientists to work on weapons of mass destruction, nuclear weapons, biological weapons, chemical weapons for our side for before the Russians get them. You know, the, the paperclip on the file means they go to they go to Ohio and get a house and a nice job. Yep. Rather than going to Nuremberg where they're put on trial and executed for war crimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same people. I know it's it's a weird thing because I'm I'm here in D.C. So uh, they just reopened up the Air and Space Museum, and mm. uh, my fiance, my dad, when he was visiting, when I went up there a couple weeks ago, and it's very weird, man, because you're like you, you see uh, von Braun like this huge thing of him, and you're, I'm thinking like, dude, yeah. this guy was a fucking Nazi. Like, yes, what? Like, it's yes. crazy, dude. Yes, yes, yeah. It's he knew crazy. about the uh, he knew about the um, Panamunde. Uh, work camp, labor camp next to it that built those rockets. Wow. And I was just in Germany this uh, last week. Uh, my wife's from Cologne. So I gave a talk in Bremen. So on the drive up, I'm just looking online. What what, what can I see? And I like old medieval castles, things like that, but also uh, World War II stuff. And there is a U-boat um, structure. It's about the size of the Pentagon. I mean, this thing is massive. And the walls are like seven feet thick of concrete. And, it, wow. you know, it, it's like a mile you know, in perimeter to walk around the thing. It's just huge. It's like wow. seven stories high. This is where they were going to they, they were going to build more U-boats there. But then it got bombed and this they didn't finish it till 1945. Too late. But wow. um, interesting, interesting, interestingly, 
I guess in the 19, they left it there, the 1950s and 60s and 70s, you know, the sign signage there was saying, look what an amazing structure this is, German engineering and, you know, how clever, you know, the German construction projects can be and on and on and on. It was, they were kind of proud of it. Mm -hmm. Then it wasn't really until the 90s that people started asking, well, who actually built that? And the answer was a slave labor. These were Jewish concentration camps. So they just hauled them in and worked them to death and just did that for like a year and a half. Wow. Now the signage is all, this is a monument, almost like a, a memorial to the right. dead who died building this thing. Wow. So it's interesting as a kind of a perspective on how culture changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like, well, who was actually running all those plantations? You know, that Thomas Jefferson, Mister, Mister, we're all created equal, and Mister yeah. Freedom. Uh, oh, he had slaves doing all that labor. Oh, okay, huh? <laughs> you know, that wasn't really a, a big deal. I mean, everybody knew it, but no one really thought much about it until the last couple of decades. You know, perspectives change. Sure. Yeah. No. That that's you're exactly right, and that's kind of why it's you know it's important to have these kind of conversations and to kind of really peel back the onion on those things and what really happened. Because I feel like most people in, in the Von Braun example, like most people don't really know about Operation Paperclip. And it's not like mm -hmm. common knowledge. So they might have heard of it, but they don't really know that we basically grabbed them up as quick as possible before the Russians got to them. Like, you know, and now, oh, we have NASA. Great. Let's let this guy lead NASA. It's just, that shit is crazy to me, man. Like, yeah, Annie, Annie Jacobs has uh, done the heavy lifting on Operation right. Paperclip and her, another book called Phenomenon about uh, the study of ESP and psychic power in yep. the belief or the concern that the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans were ahead of us in it, generally brainwashing, mind control, and and also surveillance, again, through um, psychoactive drugs or through hypnosis or through, you know, ESP, telepathy, you know, what if it's real? Sure. And we've missed out and the Russians are ahead of us in ESP, right? So um, all these programs that we had, again, pretty much not approved by Congress or whatever. They're right. just like under the table, dark, dark money, I guess, or whatever the term is in government uh, for those projects. It's, it's astonishing. So, you know, one of my arguments in the book is that one reason people believe conspiracy theories is because a lot of them are true. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. They just listed a bunch <laughs> that actually were true. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, the CIA shenanigans in South American countries favoring the fascist dictator over the communist dictator because they're going to be friendlier to U.S. business interests in that country. They won't nationalize right. the oil company or whatever. So we're going to help that guy. What are we going to do? Oh, I know we'll give him money. We'll you know help rig the election. We'll right. you know get rid of his opponents. And the CIA is, was involved in assassinations of foreign leaders. You know, Reagan famously made that illegal. It was 1984. It's like, why do you have to have a law that says uh, it, it's illegal to assassinate foreign leaders? Oh, I don't know, because that's what we were, we were doing. doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, uh, in the book, you talk a lot about um, why do like the, the title, why do, you know, believe the rational believe the irrational. And I think it's like, we look at those people, those, those, uh, you know, like you said, the, the president doesn't really know a lot for the most part, what's going on. Like they probably bring him in, they disclose some things and he's like, Oh, well, I wanted to do this on my campaign trail. Now I can't do it because X, Y, and Z. There's a lot of that going on for sure. Like yeah, obviously, yeah. but you know, why do people believe like these crazy conspiracy theories? Because you have ones, like you said, that are true, but also you have not dumb people that believe a lot of this shit. Right. So we know who pretty much everybody was at the January 6th insurrection. And again, these were not tinfoil hat uh, wearing, you know, French right. weirdos living in their parents' basement. These were regular people, you know, just full time jobs, families, married, you know, got the house, everything. They're just kind of normal and who got uh, hyper engaged over a particular idea. And, you know, we are, we know a lot of the people went down the rabbit hole with QAnon, which is a pretty crazy conspiracy theory. How could anybody believe it? But, you know, during COVID lockdown, you're sitting there on your screen all day, you know, bored out of your skull, reading all this stuff. And then patternicity, the tendency to find meaningful patterns and random noise, you start connecting the dots or the Q person on the other end is connecting them for you. And but but there's a couple other elements there, too. It's also it's entertaining. It's interesting. It's kind of uh, emotionally engaging, like, oh, my God, there's this secret plot and I, I'm, I'm, I'm covering it. And uh, 
you know, or something about the economy or wars or whatever. It's not random. There's no chaos. It's not a complex emergent system that no one quite understands. You know, how come inflation goes up and then we got to increase the interest rates? How is that going to cause inflation to go down? You know, it's all these formulas and, you know, macroeconomics and microeconomics. You could get a PhD and all this stuff. It's, and still they don't seem to really understand why exactly these things happen. But instead of all that, it's these 12 guys called the Illuminati, you know, that, yeah. that are actually running the show. Oh, that I can understand. That's super interesting and, and entertaining, right? <laughs> it's like a movie. You're like, oh, my God. Like an Oliver Stone movie, okay? So the JFK thing, right. uh, anybody that watches that movie thinks, well, there's The one with Costner? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be something. I mean, come on. Even if he's exaggerated or he got this wrong or that wrong, it sure looks pretty fishy. That's the power of the visual medium. I mean, film, he's a great filmmaker. And, you know, the music and the drama, the court scene, you know, back and to the left, back and to the left. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, my God, yes, back and to the left. <laughs> right. To the point where Seinfeld spoofs it, right? <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that episode? where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like the well, his documentary was pretty compelling. Yeah, the documentary if... is. Well, I, well, I watched it all. Um but again, uh, you know, he's he's fingering really the CIA, probably Alan Dulles. OK, right. If Alan Dulles was alive and you hauled him before a grand jury and the grand jury. Said, OK, what have you got? You know, not these, you know, this guy who says he thinks he saw something or he knew somebody who knew somebody that said they saw. No, exact. Where's the paper trail? You know, where's right. the, where's the letter, the memo, the you know, the, the financial um, uh, sure. paper trail, something. But he's right. got there's really nothing like that. Yeah. And and again, he uh, to unravel all the evidence against Oswald, because he actually thinks Oswald was a patsy or, you know, so he mm -hmm. maybe, you know, peripherally involved, but not the, the main person. OK, so so then he has to have well, the fingerprints were, were planted the bullet was planted and the boxes were fake and you know on and on and on. He just goes on too much hand waving. Right. It would just take too many people, too many elements right. that have to come together just right. I mean, like in the, in the, the reconstruction scene at the end of JFK film, uh, the drama mm -hmm. where uh, where Costner goes, let's just imagine what might have happened. Right. And there's like, you know, 50 different people running around and yeah. doing bullet and closing this. And, blah, blah, blah. and that's just not how the world works. I mean, right. people are incompetent, you know, randomness, accidents, chance happens and, and elements almost never come together. Sure. Yeah, no, that's true. I, that's why I like hearing you even speak it out loud makes me feel ah, pretty dumb. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad you brought up QAnon because I recently watched that documentary. I don't know if you saw it, Q. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I he like hearing people and watching them on camera, the, the husband and wife being like, right. yeah, we know and this and that. And I was like, yo, you guys sound absolutely crazy right now like <laughs> that really like put some perspective on me i was like damn is this how i sound what i'm talking to my friends about because i don't know that like and then i love how they have like the counter of like a normal guy you know in an office setting being like well this is really what happened and this is more practical and he made a good point of like q would say a lot of things that happened to work out in a way but he said way more things that never actually worked out so I don't know that. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah. So, so it's a signal detection problem. How do you know if the signal represents a hit? It's an actual thing, or it's just right. noise. So after the fact, with the hindsight bias, and you connect those dots, confirmation bias, patternicity, and all that stuff, it's easy to do. Mm. Like I, I have a a, a woman who uh, who's been emailing me who's a psychic. She says she can predict uh, mass public shootings. That she gets images or words that just kind of flow into her head like a day or two before the mass public shooting. Okay, mm -hmm. show me. So she starts emailing me these kind of random words that I, I can't for the life of me figure out what they mean. And then there's some shooting, as you know, we have them every week now. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she'll go, look, um, you know, I had this word and this word and this word. And, and, and this shooting was at a mall that had a word similar to the word I used. And I said Raven, but it was at Eagle High or, you know, it's like, OK, that, that first of all, that's post diction, not prediction. Right. You got to tell us where's the next one coming. Yeah. Give me an address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's the guy? Yeah, what's, we, we, you know, like minority reports. So we'll go right. and arrest him before right, the right. crime. Right. Yep. <laughs> so that's yeah. the problem. And, and mo much of conspiracism is like that. After the fact, you go back and connect the dots, particularly right. if, it's, if it's a big event where you pick over through everything, like the umbrella man I talked about in the book. Yep. You know, what's what's this guy doing with an umbrella out there in the, in the middle of the grassy field at, at Dealey Plaza on a clear summer. sunny day? Yeah. That was not summer, it was November, but it yeah. was but a clear sunny day. And so he finally came forward um, 
uh, I don't know, like a decade after that, Earl Morris even did a little like eight minute film on him for the New York Times. This guy was protesting Kennedy and the umbrella was a pro symbol of protest because right. because Kennedy's father, Joseph Kennedy, kind of supported um, uh, like what what was it? The, the, the kind of uh, Neville Chamberlain's um, appeasement of Hitler, which. Joseph Kennedy, the rum runner, the father, the patriarch of the family, you know, also supported. So the, and, and Neville Chamberlain famously comes back. He's got his umbrella and he's got the letter from Hitler. You know, Herr Hitler promised he would mm -hmm. never, ever do anything bad again. <laughs> <laughs> that last uh, one was the last piece of it. He's like Putin. And, right. uh, you know, so, so that that's why that guy Witt, uh, last name was W-I-T-T -T, Witt, was out there with his umbrella. That's it. It was just a sign of protest. Right. But but because it's Kennedy and JFK, it's huge, you know, and, and everybody picks apart every little every little bit of the scene. You know, if you go to Dealey Plaza, it's tiny. You know, in our imagination, it's like this huge place. It's not. It's really small. Right. When you go and the sixth floor of the book depository building, this is now a museum, yep. the JFK Assassination Museum. You can go there, you can look right out the window, and they have two X's in the street where the, the next shot, the headshot happened. Wow. And 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 you look down there, you go, Oh, it's it's right there. I could have yeah. I could have taken that shot. Oh, right? he definitely could have. Yeah. When people say that he didn't make that shot, that's bullshit. That's a you're looking down at your target, like that's I don't no know. brainer. That's, yeah. that's an easy shot, you know. And, and also, Oswald was a uh, an expert rifleman. I mean, he he got the second right. highest rating in the in his military uh, riflery training. Right. And you know, how could, so Stone he has to know this because it's everybody knows that it's. I think it was Gerald Posner who got his military record. Gerald Posner got the best book on Oswald. Case closed. Um, and he really shows, you know, what the reality was, you know, like Oswald got that job at the book depository building, you know, where the parade route was going. He got the job before there was a parade route, uh, published, or they even knew that where the parade route was going to be. That's just pure chance. Hmm. And many conspiracy theories turn on chance. Like the, the one I wrote about in the deadliest conspiracy theory ever, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand that triggered the first world war, uh, in Sarajevo. You know, th this was a real conspiracy. These were Serbian nationalists that uh, didn't like Austria-Hungary uh, kind of running their, controlling them, having too much political power. They wanted independence. So they said, well, we found out that Franz Ferdinand, the heir apparent of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, is coming to town. Let's assassinate him. Right. So they had like seven guys, you know, ready to go. And they had to go to each had to go to a different house to get their guns and their hand grenades and so on. But as is typical, you know, somebody went to the wrong place. Somebody else chickened out. Somebody sure. changed their mind. Uh, and you know, one, of, one of the hang. Yeah, it's a shit show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so here he comes in the convertible. And, and you know, the guy, finally, one of them pulls the, the trigger on the. The hand grenade pulls the pin, throws it, and it bounces off the the, the trunk, and and rolls under the car behind him. So it blows up and hurt, hurts the wrong people. Franz Ferdinand dashes off and gives a speech, and then and then decides to go back to the hospital to see how their comrades are doing on the same parade route. And then the car takes a wrong turn up this little road called the Appel Quay, and the the coupe that they're in doesn't have reverse. So the driver realizes he made a wrong turn, puts it in neutral, and kind of backs down super slow, like one mile an hour. And by chance, Gabrielle Princip, one of the assassins, was just sitting there on the curb eating a sandwich, despondent. And he's like, oh, my God, there they are. Pulls his gun out, bam, shoots him dead. That's it. What? Yeah. And that triggered the First World War, 8 million people dead and so on and so forth uh, for a whole variety of reasons. But um, but yeah, that and that's how things typically go. Right. Chance. You know, screw ups, incompetency. Or and they each had a, like they, yeah. they had like a cyanide pill. And one of them, uh, you know, it wasn't the wrong. It was a, a weaker dose or something. It didn't kill him. Another guy jumped <laughs> into the river to drown himself. But the river was shallow and he didn't drown. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, this is how life goes, right? I mean, right. this thing of Watergate, you know, here, the, you know, Nixon has the access to the FBI, you know, go in there, send those G-men in there and get, and they, they, they couldn't even pull off a burglary. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's true. On. Yeah, that was, that was clear as day, like the lights on and like, every, yeah, that was a good movie, by the way. But no, that's, so, so, so it, everything would have to be orchestrated perfectly with really high, highly trained professionals and everything, you know, align perfectly all the stars have to align for it to be kind of it know, rarely happens i right, mean I, right. you know 9-11 was really an amazing uh performance that they, they managed to get three of the four planes to do what they wanted to do but it hasn't nothing like that has happened quite like that since sure, and yeah. again it's not that they haven't tried they have 
And maybe our State Department really has thwarted a lot of conspiracy uh, terrorist att attacks like that. But but generally, the one reason we haven't seen a lot of that is because it's hard to pull off. Right. It, it, you know, those things, conspiracies are hard to pull off. Yeah. And also, too, like we're, you know, I feel like then it was weird. We weren't really on. I'm sure obviously we had anti-terrorism things, stuff like that. But we weren't really on like alert like that like you know airplane security wasn't like what it is today and yeah. there's a lot of things that you have to get through nowadays that are way harder than before 9-11 right so hindsight we said well how come they didn't uh track these guys taking flying lessons and they weren't uh, learning how to land the plane sure who would be thinking about that every terrorist attack, right every hijacking in history of a plane was done for mostly for political reasons. Right. We're going to go land in Cuba or whatever. And then we're going to make demands that right. they, they let our buddies out of jail or we want money or support for our, our, uh, our terrorist group, whatever. Right. No one ever said, well, let's just fly the plane. Well, what if they fly the plane into the building? I mean, no one was even thinking about that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a big part for sure. Yeah. Cause you're not, you know, you can't predict the future. You don't know what they're thinking and what they're planning. And you're right. It was very well orchestrated uh, in a lot of ways. And I mean, I feel like, to be honest with you, George Bush, if he had anything to do, he is not the brightest bulb in the box anyways. <laughs> right. And that yeah, organization, that administration right. basically was was giving out leaks all the time. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's no way they could have orchestrated that themselves. I mean, the real conspiracy, be, uh, it's like, well, uh, what is our relationship with the Saudis exactly? I That's, mean, uh, yeah. And, and Saudi money funding the 9-11 right. hijackers and wait a minute, what? Uh, and what, you know, remember the bin Laden family members all flew out of the United States the on, next day, uh, the next day, right. you know, with, when the airspace is closed, there are no flights. How did that happen? Right. Okay. Right. I, I think there have been some explanations of that, just more, you know, more kind of mainstream journalism, but I forget what they are now, right. but that, that always struck me as a little weird, like, okay, maybe this conspiracy over here is not true. This conspiracy theory, but, but, but what about these others over here? What, yeah. What's going on with that? And yeah. I do, I do think there's a lot of, uh, stuff the government does that we don't know about. I mean, I know that's the case. And, yeah. you know, that in 20 years, we'll find out, you know, in 2022, we did these this stuff with Ukraine and Russia that, you know, we don't, you know, we we kind of just vaguely think, well, there's something going on, but we won't find out for a while. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think there's, we've always had a weird thing with Saudi Arabia. Like for some right. reason, we just right. can't, like, I feel like they own us or something because it's like- oil. Yeah, yeah I just like we've always been like, hey, you know, it's uh, we'll let this slide. They they do terrible things that we don't yes. even talk about. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But right. It's very odd. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like FIFA. You know, I just seen these documentaries yeah. on FIFA. I mean, total corrupt. It's basically total corruption. Yeah, and yep, here we are. Everybody's watching the Ooh. World Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's so weird, man. I, I swear to God, like I'm I'm like I'm having a hard time even watching it because I'm like the the fact that this is in like like. I don't know, man. These motherfuckers are shady as hell, and like they're always up to something. I mean, the the reporter, the was it the Washington Post reporter or New York Times, whatever he was, um, that was assassinated, yes. chopped up, Jamal uh, Kahogi. Yeah, like what yeah. the hell? It's like oh, right. Well, right. We're not gonna say anything about it. Like right. I don't know. That's just yeah. yeah. And this week, Apple's getting hammered for. Uh, you know, they're kind of nudging Twitter off the platform, maybe uh, as one of their apps. And so now people are pressing Tim Cook. Well, what's the going on in China over there? How come, you know, you're worried about this or that? Why aren't you worried about human rights violations in China right. where all your stuff is made? Right. Yeah. Your sweatshops <laughs> are literally making these <laughs> yeah. iPhones. And yeah, right. dude, it's so weird. Um, well, I'm glad you brought up. Um, we talked about JFK, QAnon, Elizabeth, um, the, the mass shootings real quick. Um, oh, yeah. This is one thing that I've always been bothered by and just was curious about because like the mass shootings and you can tell that at least in the media, they're always portrayed a certain way. Like, um, and you talk about race in, in, in your magazine. So, you know, just recently the mass shooting, uh, at the place where I just came from, we used to live in Colorado Springs as of last year. Um, the, the gay bar that, that the shooting happened yeah. is yep. a white right winger type thing yep. and everything yeah. like that. That's really uh, politicized but then you just had two killings one at a walmart in virginia and another one at the university of virginia right down the street from us and both of those were black shooters very seemed seemed very much of like an isolated incident um like the football player like some had some sort of past relationship with those players and he went in to kill those exact people the, the walmart shooter he worked there he was presently working there that day waited right. for certain people to go on break and do certain things and there's video footage of him talking nicely and just 
like a normal person before it happened. But like that stuff is never talked about in the way that like the shooter in Colorado was. So I always get kind of curious on like the big picture of like, do you believe in the race divide and the war and trying to make like mm. that happen? Uh, Cause that's a big conspiracy theory as well. But like, that's, uh, that's blatant to me. Like when they, mm. when I see white shooter killing like that, but I don't see, I just see like mass shooter, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. It's not like black gunman kills white. Mm. Empl- it's not like that ever. So do you have any insight on that or why uh, that is? Oh, I just, in general, I think it's a kind of a cultural guilt over, uh, you know, how blacks have been treated in America for centuries, slavery, Jim Crow, you know, police discrimination and so forth, prejudice and whatnot. It, it, that's all true. So I think I think we're kind of in the middle of a, um, I don't know what you want to call it, kind of a, a restorative justice. Like we, we have to make this right. right. What can we do? Uh, well, you know, the, the, just little things. Well, you cannot identify the race of the shooter because that just seems like you know, stereotyping black men is violent. You know, that's kind of what we used mm. to do. So we're not going to do that anymore. Even though you can say white shooter, I guess, or whatever you, I mean, just like the little things like capitalize black in print, like the New York times has a policy um, that it's, you know, you capitalize the word black. If you're talking about a black person and well, are you going to capitalize white? I forget what their policy is on that now, but, but that, you know, it just seems kind of virtue signaling, but I, I, I do think it's more, you know, we're just trying to correct for the the past. I don't think there's anything conspiratorial about the mass public shootings. I think it's a law of large numbers. You have, you know, 350 million guns. You got 350 million people. And uh, just, you know, if even only 0.0001% are complete loons who lose their minds and they can get a gun. Anybody can get a gun anywhere. It's hopeless. I I mean, I'm an advocate of some gun control, but I don't know what if it's ever going to have much of an effect because there's just so many guns out there available. It just seems hopeless to me. And I see gun. I just saw a report this morning gun violence in 2021 went up eight percent over 2020 and it's the highest it's been since 92 at the kind of peak of the crime wave that started to decline in 93 um and you know why well and not just not just homicides but suicides and accidents you know and if you just have so many guns available and um and i guess more women now are using guns to commit suicide women used to not use guns so much that was kind of a guy way to kill Mm -hmm. yourself and so one reason suicide rates were higher amongst men than women was that the guns are less forgiving. You can't screw up. You, you, know, you took the wrong right. dose for your sleeping pills or whatever, and somebody saved you because uh, it took a while. But a gun is just instant. It's over. Yep. And uh, so uh, and I, I see that more women are now killing themselves with guns. You know, they're just readily available. I don't know. Something like that. Just oh, it's just one of those social problems I uh, can all have opinions about, but I don't know how it's going to change. Yeah. How it's going to be solved. Yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of those those points. And I I, I do think though that like I, I I'm I like guns. I'm I like protecting myself and I live in Washington, DC, which is awful mm, if you like guns. Yeah. Um yeah. and <laughs> right. you know, but at the end of the day, like I, you know, I'm a law abiding assistant. I'm not gonna do anything I'm not supposed to do. And you know, there are gonna be people that aren't like that, like the shooters that are just gonna find it anyway. So I, I agree right, with you where right, like right. you can have as much gun control or whatever as you want they're still going to find a way to do it. Yeah. I, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a yes, bigger absolutely. issue. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So last thing I'll let you go. You said something on Rogan that I, I thought about, I pondered on it for a couple of weeks. I was like, <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah. You said, you said, why we have all these uh, UFO sightings are happening daily. All uh, right. Why do we have these awful videos? Then I talked to somebody from uh, uh, Graham Hancock's camp who's going to be in the, who's going to be at this seminar. Um, oh, wow. And he made a good point, actually. It made me think about it even more because I'm a, I, I have a filmmaking background, um, went to school for film and video and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, if, if you hold up a phone anywhere, it's going to look like shit when you're recording something from, I don't even care how far away it is, which is, I never, as a filmmaker, I never even thought about that. I'm like, you know what? That is true because I can zoom in, you know, when it, I've been to Mount Rainier and I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. I'm gonna take this great photo of it. I send mm. it back, send it back to my fiance. And she's like, what is this a rock? And I'm just like, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's not, if I'm filming a plane up in the air, I'm not going to get details on it. I'm not, it's not going to be I don't high know. quality. 
That looks pretty good. No, that looks good. I'm saying we're close. <laughs> we're close. So the proximity <laughs> is very close. So yeah, that's, I will agree with you. Like my camera looks great. I am in 4k, all that stuff. But if I'm filming a plane, that's mm. 20,000 feet up in the air. It's mm. not, it's going to be blurry. It's going to yeah, be. Yeah, of course. All right. That's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of what I was like. I, I never thought of it that way. And then you said it and I talked to him. And I just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, But again, if, if these things are buzzing in our airspace, like Ryan Graves said, oh yeah, we saw him every day for years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, there must be at least one high res sure. video or something like that. Maybe some of the, 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 the planes are too far away, but, but these cameras they have are, you know, super high quality. They're, you know, they're better than, you know, me oh, for sure. sitting, at, sitting at the beach filming something 50,000 feet up or whatever, you know, and I, I always like the story about the, you know, commercial pilots that saw the U-2 spy plane or the SR-70 word Blackbird, you know, and before anybody knew about them and, you know, there's, you know, the Blackbird is flying at 90,000 feet up. So even if you're 30,000 feet, that's 60,000 feet still up. Right. Yeah. And it's going like 2,100 miles an hour and you're going 500 miles an hour. Right. That's just thing. It's just. That's definitely ass. a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and now, you know, Elon Starlink satellites are giving these reflective things at night and people are freaking out. Right. You know, I was like, okay, so, you know, what, what's, what's up there that we just haven't, hasn't been declassified yet. You know, to me, before we say it's it's out of this world, let's first make sure it's not in this world. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think a lot of those could be like just drones or some sort of kind of whether it's another country or someone who's just another party doing it. I don't know. But I, I was just curious if your thought on that, because I, I never yeah, thought of it in that way. Well, and then another way to think about this is that, OK, let's say if it is a Russian, some super advanced Russian technology. First of all, how did they get this? And we don't know anything about it. Right. You know, they can fly at 70,000 miles an hour and do a sharp left turn and the pilot doesn't die. Right. How is that possible? Oh, they have this special anti-gravity, blah, blah, blah. We would know about that, right? Yeah. There is no technology in the history of science and technology that has ever uh, not had some immediate uh, predecessor to it that everybody knows about. That's true. We all, everybody steals each other's ideas. They back engineer, they copy. You know, just think about uh, smartphones. They're all the same, mm -hmm. even though the companies have intellectual property and patents and they enforce them with all their teams of lawyers and so on. They're all pretty much the same. Right. And most jets, planes are the same, you know, computer, laptop computers, you and I are, they're all pretty much the same. And so there's no way the Russians or the Chinese have some, you know, technology that's like centuries ahead of us as if we're flying biplanes and they're flying SR-71 Blackbird spy jets or something. It's right. not possible. We would know about that. Even the Manhattan Project, the most top secret project in history, you know, the Russians had the bomb within three years. Why? Because they stole their plans. They had spies. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we no. have spies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that you said, like you said, there's nothing that anyone in the other countries are doing that we either don't have or are making and vice versa. I 100% agree with that. And same thing with, uh, so the counterfactual, what else would be true if that was true? Wouldn't Russia be using this technology in Ukraine? In Ukraine, right, yeah. Oh, for <laughs> sure, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I would definitely see cubes with, uh, yes. with yeah. yeah, I would see right. it. No, yeah. I would, I would definitely see that. Well, uh, on your book, what do you, what are you hoping to get, you know, out of? What do you want people to get out of this book? Uh, the main thing is that it's not irrational to believe conspiracy theories are true. It, there's a kind of deeper rationality. The conspiracy theory is a proxy for something, or it's a tribal thing, or more importantly, enough of them are true. It's not irrational to assume more are true than actually are, just to be sure, just to be safe, rather safe than rather than sorry. And so there is a kind of evolved human cognition to think people are up to something behind my back because sometimes they are right, right? just because right. you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you sometimes they really are after you yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny okay well that's good plug i really appreciate you coming on man i'll let you get back to your uh your day i know you have a all right Corey. At 10 so Thanks. where can people find you Oh, well, skeptic.com is the webpage for the magazine. MichaelShermer.com is my personal webpage. And of course, all my books are on Amazon and, and in fine bookstores everywhere. <laughs> they are. And I'll put all those links in the description below. And that's cool. another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. We'll see you next time.